Project at www.mormonwomen.com. Hi, this is Meredith Nelson. I'm excited to share with you an interview I did with Leslie Schwartz-Leeper, who is one of our producers at the Mormon Women Project and is the one who had the idea of us producing a series of stories around mixed-faith marriage. Leslie herself is in a mixed-faith marriage, and she was raised in the church by a single mother named Kay Condor, with whom we have another interview at the Mormon Women Project, and her mother has given permission to share a little bit more of her story, a few more details from her story in this interview. Leslie always had a testimony, but drifted in and out of the church through her teen and young adult years. In her early 30s, she married Ian, a non-believer of Jewish and Episcopalian heritage, at the same time as she decided to return to the church. Leslie talks about her positive experience undergoing a church disciplinary council, about the ways Ian supports her and their children in church activity, about some of the challenges of a mixed-faith marriage, and about the peace she has in her partnership with a man she chose for his intelligence, kindness, and love. You can read a transcription of this interview and other Mormon Women Project podcasts at our website, www.mormonwomen.com, as well as read other stories that have been contributed to our Mixed Faith Marriage series. So I grew up mostly in Utah. I was born in Idaho, but we moved from Idaho to Utah when I was around five, five or six. I have only known a single parent home. My mom and dad got divorced when I was three or almost three. So I don't ever remember my dad being in the house except for when he'd come to visit or come to pick us up, which wasn't that frequent and became less frequent (laughs) throughout the years. So my mom's brother was more like a dad to me, and he's the one who baptized me and stuff. I'm the youngest of six. Uh, There's three girls, then two boys, then me, and I love being the youngest. (laughs) I was, (laughs) I was a, I was babied, but it was nice because as a writer, like I love observing people, and I feel like being the youngest, I had to do that a lot. I'm the youngest, and my oldest sibling is only eight years older than me, so my mom has six kids within eight years. Religion was a part of our family for sure. And I knew it was important for my mom and my grandmother. My grandmother's a convert. My mom, being a single mom, she was working all the time. So instilling it, or not instilling it, but like making you go or whatever wasn't always a thing that happened. But she did the best she could and she would like pray with us over the phone while she was at work. Yeah, so it was it was there, and definitely I knew that's what I was supposed to be doing. And I think because of my mom's example of having faith and just trying to go to church, even though she had just worked three twelfths in a row and just, like, falling asleep in the front row, it was like, but this is what we do. <laughs> I love being raised by my mom because she taught me to be independent and think for myself and education was always strong for her because especially for her girls like she wanted all of us to have an education so we could have something to fall back on but I think she kind of pushed it more for the girls in the family so we wouldn't have to ever be in a rough spot but I was the first one to get my graduate degree so 
that was pretty cool. <laughs> what, and what's your graduate degree in? <laughs> Creative writing. Cool. Million dollar, million dollar. Yeah, you're super you know. rich now. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I should I should um, point out that we have an interview with your mom on the Mormon Women Project, Kay Condor. That that was an interview we published last year, and she has an amazing story. Just um, such an example of devotion and and like you said, commitment to teaching her kids the gospel and supporting your family by herself. So I want to tell you something because <laughs> I really wanted my mom to talk about it in her interview. My mom was excommunicated, actually, when after my mom and dad got divorced. Both my parents were excommunicated. My dad was excommunicated because he, the church found him guilty of abandoning his family. Mm. And my mom was excommunicated because the one and only person she ever dated after my dad, they, you know, you're lonely after you've been married. <laughs> so she was excommunicated and it was really hard for her to go to church, but the only reason she kept going was because she knew she wanted her kids raised that way. And me and my mom, actually, she got rebaptized like a month before I turned eight and was baptized. Wow. And I remember when I was little, like, I was like, well, why, why are you getting baptized? Like, you're supposed to get baptized when you're eight. She's like, oh, I think they lost my records in the trip, like, when we moved. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, is that going to happen to me? And she was like, no, 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 like, you're fine. And then, like, you know, as you get older, things start coming out. And then she would be, like, really honest with it. And I think that's part of what made my mom such a great mom, to be honest, because she was never judgmental. It was like, if you did something, it's like she just wanted to help you. One of my sisters came home pregnant, and she didn't go off screaming and crying or whatever. It was just like, okay, so what are we going to do about it? How do you want to move forward with this? I think that's helped me loving people for who they are, not what they do, because she never, she's like, you know, I, I always felt like people knew. So it was hard for me to go to church. And she's like, and I'm sure that wasn't true, but I just felt that way. And ironically enough, I had my own church council. So, <laughs> but I, and I think because of her story, it wasn't scary for me to have a church council. Like I, I had never felt more at peace. You know how, like when they talk about the savior has been there, done that. And it's like, well, they don't really talk about it in the scriptures. So you have like a hard time imagining this perfect person feeling all the feelings. Mm-hmm. But like with my mom, it's like, oh, she has been there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, it made her a really trustworthy person, like in terms of what right. the gospel teaches about mortality and repentance and all of that. Right. Um, that's just, I think, a really beautiful part of your story. Considering the fact that you were raised by a single mother and didn't have a marriage in your home, what did you hope for? What did you believe about marriage growing up? So I definitely knew I wanted to be married. I knew I wanted to be a mom more than I knew I wanted to be married. I grew up babysitting and stuff, but it was like I didn't grow up seeing a father in the house. So it was like, well, I'm ready for this stuff. I know how to change diapers and do all this stuff, which you say you're ready and then you have a kid and you're like, I was not ready for this. 
But my mom got married when she was 23 and she had finished college. And I was like, that's a perfect age because then you finished college. So, and then you can marry the person and it'll be great. And then I started getting into my 20s and I was dating great people. But I was like, not ready for marriage. I was like, there's so much I want to do. I've always wanted to travel. And so I got a job with the airlines so I could fly places for free and I did and I loved it and it's like well I want to get my grad degree and <laughs> that's actually where I met my husband was when I was in grad school interesting enough so my brother Cody and I he's the one closest to me in age we've always done everything together we got like our wisdom teeth taken out together and we excuse me we were baptized by the same uncle obviously two years apart but and then we decided to get our patriarchal blessings together. And I was 16 and he was 18. And after we got our patriarchal blessings, my brother came up to me. He denies it to this day, but I remember it because at the time I was so sad by his comment. But he said, you're not going to marry a Mormon. And I was like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> I'm I'm so going to marry a Mormon. I'm going to marry a returned missionary. And I'm going to have the priesthood in my house because I, I appreciated our home teachers so much and being able to call them and get priesthood blessings that way. But I wanted to have a solid priesthood holder in the house and you know, it was crushing when I would have to go on daddy-daughter dates at the church and borrow my friend's dad to go with me. So it was like, no, I'm going to marry somebody in the church, and this is how it's going to be. And so when my brother said that, I was really, really hurt, and little did I know, and little did he know, because he denies it now, but <laughs> that he was very true and maybe very in tune to something that I didn't hear and still don't read in my patriarchal blessings, but the way that it turned out. So were you active in the church when you met your husband? I was not. I had this thing started when I was like 14, 15, where I would go to church for a while and then stop going to church and then go to church for a while. And I used to think that it was because I didn't have a testimony or at least that's what I would tell people, like, well, I guess my testimony wasn't strong enough. When I look back at things, it wasn't that my testimony wasn't strong enough. It was that the natural man was, the natural woman was more powerful. I, I, used, I asked my mom, I remember when I was 16, I asked my mom if she thought that some people were just born to be bad because I just couldn't not do things that were against the church's teachings. And then I used to read Jack Whalen books all the time. And the thing that I loved most about them was that you could, this can sound horrible because I'm sure this was not what he intended, but I was like, you can leave the church and then come back. Isn't that so great? <laughs> and it is. That like is great. Wonderful, <laughs> you can have this wonderful life afterwards. But when I got into like my late teens, early 20s, like I took more than just like a little bit of time. It was a couple of years and then I'd come back for a year or two and then a couple of years. And then finally came back to the church in my late 20s. And I just, I think being the youngest, I've always wanted to reach the next level so I could feel like an adult. And so I could be 
an adult in the eyes of my siblings. And all of my siblings had gone through the temple. And so I was like, I should go through the temple. That's the next step. And then we can all be on the same page and we can all be adulting together. And I was applying for grad schools and went through the temple in December. And there was a guy that was a part of my friend group that I'd always known but never was interested in. And he kissed me on New Year's Eve and it all went downhill from there. (laughs) And um, he applied for grad schools and we both ended up going to Pennsylvania. It wasn't a good relationship, but it was also not good for me because I had just gone through the temple and I was like, well, I guess I'm just done because like if the temple can keep me from doing stuff, then I guess I'm just not supposed to be Mormon and wrote a lot about Mormonism for my grad degree. (laughs) And yeah, met Ian through a mutual friend that I was going to school with my last year. I went home with her for Thanksgiving to Boston and Ian lived in Boston and she was trying to set him up with another friend and he was like, well, what about Leslie? And she was like, oh, you're not her type. She doesn't, she doesn't (laughs) like well-adjusted, emotionally stable guys. She only goes for unmotivated people who are losers. And and I was like, oh, awesome. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and so, but I thought he was a nice guy and we were friends and we kept in touch. And I finally broke up with the guy I had been seeing for two years and decided, you know, I'm 30, I'm about to be 31. I'm only going to date nice guys, but even if they're nice, just because they're nice doesn't mean I have to make a relationship work with them. You know, stuff that you should have already learned by the time that you're 30. So I dated some people and then saw Ian online one night after I got home from Vietnam. And he was in Hawaii doing Navy stuff. And we just talked and talked and then have talked quite literally every day since. So. Hmm. <laughs> What's Ian's background and does he did he grow up religious at all? So his mom is Jewish, so technically he's Jewish by blood, but he would say that he's culturally Jewish and I would agree. <laughs> I always tell people that he's Jewish. Mm-hmm. And um we celebrate Hanukkah and Passover and Rosh Hashanah together and with his family and stuff. But that's about the extent I feel like I know more about Judaism than he does Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a lot of ways. But it's definitely deep within him. And, um, And I love that. And I love that we have Judaism as a big part in our home. And then his dad was Episcopalian. So he grew up going to church a little bit. But I guess from stories I've been told, at some point his dad gave him and Ian's a twin, his twin brother and little sister, the option of going church or going sailing. And they were like, well, yeah, sailing. (laughs) And they never went back. His parents, him and his brother and sister, are all agnostic at best, but most likely atheist. (laughs) Ian and I have had several conversations about it, and Ian's agnostic at best, where he can't say there is a God, but it wouldn't surprise him if there was one. So when you met him and you dated him and you guys decided to get married, did you have conversations about 
your beliefs and your religious background and what was his response? We did. So when I met him, I, I still had to finish up grad school. So it was a long distance relationship for the first couple of months, which was great because then we just had to have long conversations. And so I'm four years older than Ian and I was turning 31 that year. And I was like, I want to be married like before I'm 35. <laughs> and um, so I, I asked him a lot of questions that normally you don't ask till you're, you know, a good six months, year in. If you're living in Utah, you know, two weeks in, but he don't <laughs> have like, for a while. I said, you know, I am not religious. I don't go to church, but I've always known that I want to raise my kids Mormon. Are you okay with that? And he said, yeah, I believe they have good values and, and that's fine. And I said, okay, well, here's my next question. I love having a single mom except for certain aspects in church because because you just felt like an outcast sometimes and I said I don't want our kids to feel that way so if there's a daddy daughter dance or scouts or young women activities or they're giving talks in primary or whatever I need you to promise that you'll be there and he said yeah and I said okay well then I guess we can keep dating <laughs> So we moved in together pretty quickly, and then we moved to Germany um, because he got a job out there, and then he had to be deployed to Afghanistan right after we moved there. It was just like the first time in my life, I think, that I've ever seen God's hand because we both felt we were supposed to move to Germany. We didn't know why, except for like, oh, an adventure. It will be so fun to live in Germany. But then Ian had to move there a month before I did. So I had to pack up our house and get everything ready. And while I was doing that, Ian was working and getting to know his coworkers. And one of them happened to be Mormon. And Ian's like, oh, my wife used to be Mormon. And at some point she might go back, but she's not planning on it, just making conversation. And the guy was like, oh, well, if she ever wants to, here's our church program and it has all of the church's information on the back. And so when I got there and Ian was being deployed, I was like, where's that program? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know anybody. (laughs) And I, I mean, it was just like so sweet that he would even think to get something like that for me. So I emailed the bishop and was pretty blunt and just said, I have not been to church in years and have no plans on going back right now, but that my boyfriend is deploying and I need, I need friends. And he said, well, we can do that. Like, why don't you come this Sunday and we can just like talk and I can introduce you to people. And I haven't not been going to church since. (laughs) In your mind at that time, why did you not want to go back? I think, well, one, I was drinking Drinking was very hard for me to give up because I'm a very social person and I was a very social drinker. Ian has been the reason for a lot of good things that happened in my life, actually, because my social drinking was becoming not so social. And at one point, Ian was like, um, I'm not saying you have a problem, 
but like, what if you just like didn't drink as much? And I was like, no, I have a problem. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. can say that I have a problem because I have a problem. I think that was part of it. Part of it was I was living with my boyfriend. We weren't even engaged till right before he left for Afghanistan. So it was like, well, that can't happen. (laughs) And I think just like coming from Utah, I always felt pulled between my Mormon life and my non-Mormon life. I have a lot of gay friends. Most of my friends, I would say, in Utah are gay. And a lot of them are ex-Mormons, right? So mm-hmm. it's like we we had, like, this understanding. And so when I would go back, it's like, wait, <laughs> I thought we had this understanding. I would feel like a hypocrite because it's like I understand, you know, your side of things. And I still understand. So I just always felt this pull being in Germany, I felt like I can explore if this is actually something that I want to find out if I truly believe in it and will believe in it for the rest of my time or if it's something that I thought I wanted to believe in because I grew up in it and turns out I don't and I can live this other life. It was the first time I had read the Book of Mormon the entire way through. I finished it on my 33rd birthday and felt like, oh, that's why they tell you to read the Book of Mormon when you're younger. (laughs) That's how I felt anyway. You know, even if I have questions or concerns about certain doctrine or beliefs in the church, like I can't deny this book. And so then I had to, you know, have a church council. (laughs) What was that experience like for you? It was actually, like I said, it was really good. And I think part of it was because I knew a strong woman who had gone through it before and who had turned out in her eyes and I think in my eyes better than before. And so I felt good because I feel like every time in my life, Before this, when I would do something wrong, I would feel really, really guilty about it and finally work up the courage to tell my bishop. And then I would feel so good that I told my bishop that I didn't do what you're supposed to actually do, which is ask the right person for forgiveness. A bishop can't give you forgiveness and you shouldn't rely on the bishop to give you forgiveness. I was looking forward to really repenting about something and receiving an actual peace, not just like a small amount of peace before feeling guilty again. What was good was that my bishop was my friend. My bishop was Ian's friend. He is like, and is still our friend to this day, super non-judgmental, just a genuine loving guy. And... I told him my worries, I said, my only worries about having a church council is that if I'm excommunicated, which is totally fine and fair, and if that's what has to happen, I am at peace with it. But I said, I'm just worried that it might give Ian a bad taste in his mouth because he won't understand 
why it had to happen. So I invited Ian to come. So I had my first interview by everyone, and then they had to talk about it. And then we met like a week or two later for them to tell me like what they had decided. During that time, I had told Ian was trying to like say like, this might happen, and I don't want you to be mad. And he's like, but I will be mad. And I was like, but you can't be mad because that's just part of the rules. And I knew that when I broke them. And and I said, you know, we'll just see what happens, but I really just don't want you to be mad. And, and so we, I asked him to come with me to hear what was going to happen. And so the bishop came out and said, you know, we're going to take her back there by ourselves, but I just want you to know, like, what's going to happen and, like, what we're doing. And then I'll, after we talk to Leslie, we'll come back out and we'll talk to you some more. And so they, you know, gave me their verdict and then, which was not an excommunication, but was a punishment. <laughs> and then came back out and explained things to Ian. And I think that helped Ian not have a bitter taste. And it was something that made it even better for me because I don't think a bishop has to do that. And I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people would, but, but the funnier part was when I could finally start wearing my garments again. Well, I think my bishop said, you know, I want you to start wearing them as soon as you get married, but you just can't go to the temple for a while and blah, blah, blah. Other certain things that I couldn't do. And, um, so we got married New Year's Eve in Utah. We flew home from Germany, Utah, and I bought garments while I was there. <laughs> we came home to Germany, and Ian was working in his office, and I put on a pair of garments and came into the office. <laughs> I think most guys are, like, wanting to have this sexy lingerie moment, and I was like, so this is my new underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, uh huh. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's okay. And he was like, yeah, it's like that's totally fine, cool. And I was like, e, you can say it's weird because you didn't grow up seeing stuff like this, so you can say it's weird. And he's like, okay, good, because it's a little weird. <laughs> I was like, it's fine. I understand. Normal people don't think that, like, basically a pair of shorts and a T-shirt are underwear. But, um, and he has slowly gotten used to them. <laughs> it sounds like Ian really was supportive of you going back to church and being a part of that community. Am I getting that right? Yeah, I think he was because he knew that it was something that, was always in the back of my mind and like I said my graduate thesis which he read was all about like my growing up in the church and leaving and feelings about that and so I think he always knew just like my best friend Brandon who's gay and who actually officiated our wedding have always told me like you just seem happier and I know that's not the case for everybody but for me I just do and so I think he was supportive because I wasn't drinking anymore. (laughs) 
yeah, just I was at peace so I could be happier, I think, if that makes sense. Like there wasn't this internal struggle anymore. So it's interesting that at this point that you decide to rejoin the church, I mean, not rejoin, but but go through the process of a disciplinary council so that you can become part of that church community again. At that moment in your life, you also marry Ian, which I know was part of that process for you, but you were now choosing to marry a non-member of the church at the same time as you were rejoining the church. It's just interesting that those two things happened at the same time. (laughs) So I want to hear about what your thoughts and feelings were at the time and why you chose to marry Ian. So I think Ian and I knew we were going to end up together from the minute we started dating because we started dating technically over the phone (laughs) because we were just talking and we both are the same where it's like it we if we know we're interested in someone then we're just interested in that person and there's nobody else I prayed about it even though I wasn't going to church and I think even though Ian doesn't go to church he says prayers I've never heard them but he has told me that he says them, <laughs> not all the time, but I think it gives him peace knowing that, like, I've prayed about it. It gives him this extra, like, she really wanted to know kind of a thing, like a extra reassurance. But I think because I lived a life of on again, off again, on again, off again, and because I have so many friends who aren't Mormon or who are ex-Mormon or whatever the case may be. I knew that if I was going to find a Mormon to date, it would have to be a very different kind of Mormon, (laughs) one that I couldn't find in Utah. My mom actually drove me to grad school and she started crying on the drive. I said, what's wrong? She said, I just don't see you coming back to Utah. I said, what are you talking about? Grad school's two years and then I'll be back. She's like, no. I think you're going to stay out here. And I thought she was so crazy, but again, moms just know things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think part of it was because, like, I told her, I was like, I've dated every type of person in Utah, which is a pretty blanketed statement, but, like, I dated guys who were gay but weren't out. And then I (laughs) super religious Mormons who were definitely not for me and super on the outskirts of Mormonism and just, just every kind and every kind. And Ian was just, we were friends first and he's like the smartest person I know. And I love being around smart people. And he's also the kindest person I know. And he, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I love how he loves me when I walk into a room, like, it's me <laughs> and, yeah. and that makes me feel really special. And, um, but also just because we can have this type of relationship, I think when he said, yeah, of course you can raise our kids Mormon and I'll be there for that. It was like, well, then I don't need a Mormon. Like, cause I'm going to have this. Having said that, I do wish I had somebody at church to help wrangle in <laughs> the one kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> it seemed to be two kids, but. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should have worked that into the deal somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so what, I mean, have there been any challenges being married to him as a non-member? Moments where, where you felt like there was conflict over your different faiths? There's been conflicts. Some of them are not religious, like learning how to communicate because growing up with not a marriage example, you don't really, I didn't know how to communicate. I thought I was communicating because I talk a lot, but it doesn't mean that you're actually communicating. So learning how to communicate was a big one. With Ian, I feel like if there's ever been anything, we've always been able to talk about it. And, like, work it out, like, like the garments. It's like, well, this is a big change. Or sometimes, like, when I was giving a talk in church and I asked him if he would go, and he was like, yeah. And then I practiced the talk in front of him, like, a couple of times before. So then it was like, well, do I have to go? Because I've heard it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I guess you don't have to. But then I was hurt. And so then it was like, well, okay, we can't do this, like, this is what we promised. This is what we agreed on. Like, I don't care if you've heard it 50 times. I still want you to go to church and be there to support me. I would say a thing that's been harder for me, actually, because Ian is who he is. We both married into the perfect families for each of us. Like, his family is vegetarian slash vegan, super liberals. And I used to be vegetarian for years, and I still eat mainly vegetarian. And my family is liberal slash conservative. Like, half my family is liberal, half my family is conservative. Good Mormons, go to church all the time, super meat eaters, and Ian loves meat. And so it's like we both (laughs) married into good respective families. However, I feel like... When you're dealing with liberals, and I'm saying this as one myself, a liberal and a progressive, I feel like everybody's super PC about everything except for when it comes to religion. And religions are okay to either make fun of or joke about or people who are religious don't have necessarily a brain because how could you have a brain and believe that there's this God that no one has seen or whatever. So sometimes... In a house that is liberal, not religious, there are comments or (laughs) jokes or whatever. And it's like, but you know that I am, though, right? (laughs) Like, I'm liberal, and so I I get it, but, like, I'm still religious and actively so. And it's not, like, this hardship, but it does happen every once in a while. and, And so then there are tears to Ian and... Ian has to like reassure me that my everybody loves you and you know at the same time I have to deal like and that's been hard for Ian my mom is current well she just finished but she was on a mission for the church doing church history and she called one night and was like asking a lot of questions about Ian's family and names and birth dates and I was like wait why are you asking for all of this She's like, well, I'm putting it on the family tree. And I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Nope. And she was like, well, you never know what's going to happen. And I said, number one, don't care if and when Ian joins the church, like he can do it. But two, 
Ian's family definitely would not be okay with this. And they're Jewish and still alive. So you can't do it. So, mm. <laughs> like, you just got to stop. And so, it's like, and Ian was like, yeah, no, 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 no. He's pretty good at not showing when he's upset, but I could tell that it it bothered him. And we've had missionaries over that I felt have crossed the line because I've always let the missionaries and any ward we've ever belonged to know that my husband is not a member. He has no plans of being a member. He's not a ward project. If you would like to have a genuine relationship with him, feel free to talk to him and find some common ground. But religion ain't it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, there was a pair of missionaries who were just not getting it. And I was so close. I've never kicked missionaries out of my house ever. And I, I was very close to it. And Ian was just patiently re-answering the same question of like, I'm just not interested over and over for over an hour. So finally, like they left and Ian was like, I'm so sorry. Like, And I was like, wait, why are you sorry? And he was like, I just felt like I was so rude to them. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) I was like, you were not rude at all. I was like, I thought you were going to be mad at me for not, like, asking them to, like, stop or leave. And he was like, no, I just felt so bad because I just wasn't giving them the answer they were looking for. And I was like, that's fine. Like, that's how you believe. I think the thing that's really important in a mixed-faith religion is, like, constantly seeing where the other person is at, how you're doing with it. I truly believe that I'm going to be with Ian forever. I don't know how it's going to work because, you know, we've been together for, this is, been together for six years and married for four. And (laughs) he's still just as not interested as he was the day I met him. But I just know that God is a God of love and he knows that Ian's the best husband for me and the best father to our children. And so why would he divide us? There are bad days where you're like, but how is this going to work? Because we haven't been in the temple and like you can get in your own head and get in your own way. Mm-hmm. So then there's days where it's like, well, what do you believe? Well, why don't you believe this? And luckily one of you usually takes the calmer side of things. (laughs) Usually it's Ian. And will remind me of like why we got married, why we love each other. And, you know, he told me at the beginning, he's like, I could get baptized tomorrow, but it'd be for you. So if you're okay with the fact knowing that like, I would just be doing it for you, not because I believe it or would ever want to take part of it, then let's get baptized tomorrow. And it's like, I never would want that. Never in a million years. So you talked about how, as when you were growing up, you really hoped to have a priesthood holder in your home when you Mm -hmm. were married. I want to hear how you have reconciled that childhood wish with your current marriage to a man who's not a member of the church. So when I was, turning or had just turned 21 like I really wanted to go on a mission and I had messed up but I had Penton had been going to church and I really wanted to go on a mission 
I was going to a singles ward with my brothers, and I was just like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do if I'm supposed to go or if I'm supposed to just do school. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. And every lesson that day was a lesson about getting a father's blessing. So something about my mom, every time my dad lost a job, quit a job, whatever, got a divorce because he was married two other times after my mom and needed a place to stay, my mom would always let him stay with us because my mom has the biggest heart in the whole entire world and let him get back on his feet and then he would leave. So he happened to be there at that time. And the last lesson of that day was somebody was quoting a general authority and said that the person's father wasn't a member, but the father was going to die. Or maybe he was just like a very inactive member. I don't really remember. But he went home and he told his dad that he wanted a blessing from him, that because he's his father, that he could still give a blessing because that was his parental right. And so I went home and I told my dad that I wanted him to give me a blessing. And just because I don't believe he's worthy, it doesn't matter because he's still my father and you can give blessings whether you're worthy or not. (laughs) Because I was a very tactful 21-year-old and (laughs) (laughs) very loving. And, um, And so he did. So I just kind of feel like I've carried that on. Ian knows that If he were to say, like, I want to learn about the church tomorrow, I'd be jumping up and down. But it's never something that I will ever pressure him on. And he also knows that it's okay for him to die first because then I'm going to do his work. And I've told him that he better accept it. These are things that just are an, an underlying thing that he knows. I would love it if he had the priesthood, but I believe that it is his God-given right as the father of our children, that he could still bless our children and give them father's blessings. And I believe as their mother, I also have that God-given right to bless my children and to utilize the priesthood that I hold as limited or whatever as people might think it might be to bless my children. And there's sometimes when I'm with my son that like I'm praying, but I feel in my heart that I'm turning it into a blessing and I feel really good about it. And I feel empowered by it. And I feel that God hears it and is okay with that because it's coming from a mother's love and a place of just wanting what's best for her children. And I think our Heavenly Mother and our Heavenly Father understand that. (laughs) So do I still call on my bishop for priesthood blessings or my home teachers? Yes. And my husband has been there for those. Like I always ask him, I'm like, I know it might seem like voodoo, but just come on in and (laughs) be a part of this. I think we can still have those parental blessings that in some way I think are stronger because you know your children and you love your children. What do you wish people knew about your mixed faith marriage? You know, the people in the new ward you go to or just people in general who have assumptions about what it must be like. Honestly, mixed faith marriages are only going to become more common. I think 
that for me, being married to Ian has strengthened my faith because I feel that I don't need to be, but I want to be a good example of what the gospel is, in my opinion. So I try to be what I believe the best version of myself is, to be a good example for Ian, but also for my son and soon-to-be daughter. And so it strengthened my testimony that way, but it also strengthens it because sometimes like he'll he'll have questions or he'll see something in the paper and ask me about it. And it's like, oh, what do we believe? <laughs> like, I need to brush up on this. And I think it's strengthened my testimony as well and just my love for everyone because I think the bottom line of the gospel, at least what my mom has always taught me and what I've always believed to be true is to just love everyone and to look at people the way Christ would, which is with love. I'm just loving him for who he truly is and he's loving me for who I truly am. And we have many similarities, but many differences and religion being one of them. I think that makes us stronger. Not saying you can't have a strong marriage being both Mormon, but for me, I think it's made me a stronger member of the Church of Jesus Christ of <laughs> Because I have somebody who keeps me on my toes and challenges me and supports me. And, and also, like I said before, we... We do Hanukkah and Passover and learning about Passover and doing the Passover Seder and stuff. It's only strengthened my testimony because it's like, oh, it's giving history and context that I didn't have before. And I love that. And I'm so excited to do that with my kids to give them a deeper history to the religion they're being brought up in. I think the thing a lot of people who are in interfaith relationships struggle with is getting in their own way. They start getting into doctrine, which is great, and learning it, but then it's like, but wait, you're not this way, so what does that mean, and how is this going to work, and you're just getting in your own way of loving that person. Just step out. (laughs) Step out of the way. (laughs) Hmm. It It will all work out. If you're, I mean, obviously pray about it. Maybe there's other reasons why you shouldn't be with that person. But, you know, I have other friends who her and her husband both went on missions and now he's inactive and is questioning the church and stuff. And it was hard at first, and I think it would be because you you thought you were marrying somebody a certain way. But then you have to question well, did I marry this person just because they believed the same things as I did? Or did I marry him for other reasons? I want to focus on Ian. (laughs) Mm. Leslie, is there anything else you want to share? I think the thing that people should know, like, yes, I can talk about it being positive because Ian and I do check in, but, like, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. (laughs) like I think but that's just like any marriage like there's going to be things that are hard and things that you know but I think it's always just coming back to that why did we why do we want to be together and for me even though I knew I wasn't saying the words 
I don't even know what they say in the temple because I have <laughs> but I'm assuming it has something to do with forever. Um, I wouldn't let Brandon, my best friend, say till death do us part because I was like, I just don't believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe I'm going to be with this person forever. And so even though I wasn't married in the temple, I look at Ian as my forever spouse. Mm-hmm. I still, even though it's not a quote-unquote eternal marriage, I view it through the lens of an eternal marriage. If you enjoy this podcast and the hundreds of interviews with modern Mormon women in our online library, please share with your friends and consider making a tax-deductible donation at www.mormonwomen.com to help us fund interview transcription and website support.